Welcome to episode 59 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome to episode 59. Jeff, do you understand that 59 is one number before 60? Do we have another special episode planned for number 60, Gabe? Is it possible? I think it's going to be extremely special. And I am very excited about it. That's all I can tell you, you right now. Do you feel that we are spoiling our listeners by giving them so many very special episodes? We just did one 10 episodes ago. It is well-deserved. We have very yeah, good listeners we, and very excited about the whole thing so that it'll all work do, out. We have to be kind to our tens of millions of <laughs> listeners. It's very important that we give them oh, millions. the acknowledgement uh, and the joy that they deserve. Yes. So I guess that's fine. This is true. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, are you guessing? Are you just anticipating? Yes. Fifty nine years ago was uh, nineteen uh, what? Uh, that would be sixty four. Yes, 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 1964. yes. Nineteen sixty four. Okay, nineteen sixty four. It's interesting that in nineteen sixty four, a camera that you and I recently discussed, and I almost purchased a second one. Was started there, and ladies and gentlemen, that is the Lycaflex. Oh dearie, Look the Lycaflex is this the OG Lycaflex? The OG, Ly- this is the SL, Which, but it's the OG okay. Lycaflex was uh, 1964, and you know, I I know we say this often, or probably not often enough, but Mike Ekman. Dot com. I mean, Mike has just great information on there, and it always yeah. makes me very happy to learn stuff, but. You know, what I didn't know is they really um, lost money on every Lycoflex sold. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, really? I had no idea. They put so much money. It was the highest quality camera. Um, it was their top of the line thing. And what they did by doing that is they sacrificed, you know, the technology. Right. You know what I mean? Do so you think, yeah, do you, I mean, obviously this was a big push by Leica to get into the SLR arena in right. the mid-60s, right. right? When this was, you know, when Nikon and Canon were battling for primacy in that space, totally. right? Uh, was it just that the camera was overpriced and too far out of reach for consumers? Or, I mean, what I, was the deal I, there? Why do you think I, it failed? I think that they, I think that's what it was. And I think people were so, you know looking at all the technology advancements at the time and going, what's the latest thing? What's the latest thing? And maybe they were willing to sacrifice, you know, oh, this is the best quality. And yeah, they're, they were expensive. So I think that that was, that was it. But I'm telling you that camera stands up like you can't believe it is a beauty. Yeah. Beauty. Quite and, gorgeous. We saw one. We're going to talk about our trip to B&H. But boy, I had seen one at, uh, I believe it was Unique Photo in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. A Leicaflex SL2 50 yar. Uh, yara. <laughs> I don't know what 50 is in German. <laughs> right. But the 50 anniversary edition SL2. And I really should have bought it. And the only reason that I balked was I didn't want to invest in another lens system. Right. Especially one where the lenses are so wildly expensive because they are. Right. Next but, time you should do it because I have plenty I to lend you. <laughs> but but boy, the fit and finish that we associate with Leica in an SLR package, pretty extraordinary. It's beautiful. And, and the ugliness 
and brutishness of the design <laughs> has sort of faded. Yeah. Because I remember when I saw these in 60, you know, in, in, when I first got into cameras in the early 70s, like I would look at pictures of these and go, that's ugly. Chunky, Remember right? the original, the original Lycaflex had the little round thing on the front. It's like, Leica, you can't get it together for right. like a pretty something. <laughs> but now they look re like Alpas the same way. They look gorgeous. And the quirkiness uh, and brutishness are kind of appealing. So. It's so nice. Um, like a flex. Okay, so there's, what else? there's a couple more that are going to be more in your wheelhouse. And I will start with this yeah. one. The Canon FX. Oh, that now FX? When they use their FL mount. Remember the sort of the old one that I have, the Canon, Canon Flex? I do not know the Canon FX. Oh, interesting. This was with the. This is the FL. This is not the EX. This You're is not their. About the EX. Yeah, this is their. Um, wow. So I think it's their first one the, with the FL mount. Yeah. This is the FL mount. This is before the F1. Am right, I correct about right. that? Yeah. I think you oh, are yes. correct. I have seen photos of these, but never seen one in person. I have Very either. interesting. They seem really, really clean, like a really clean design. Yes. And I that's that's one I definitely. Um, how about the Pentax SV? Well, of course, <laughs> that is very close to the Pentax S3 that I just bought. I am taking a look at these old Pentaxes and just wondering why the hell these things are so undervalued. And SV is an amazing machine. I've seen a couple of these, and they are so inexpensive. You can get a beautiful SV body in chrome or black for 100 bucks. 100 bucks, and of course, the lenses are so cheap. Right, oh, so you definitely. You get that and an excellent 50, and you'd spend $150 and have an incredible, hard-wearing, compact. That's the other thing. I talked about this in the last episode. I was not aware that that S and slash H series of Pentaxes are smaller than the Spotmatics. Oh, they I didn't know that. They're somewhere between a Spotmatic and an OM-1. They're gorgeous. And why? And now, why do you think that course, Pentax? The I dream of cameras effect is going to take hold, and everyone is going to want one. <laughs> why do you think that that's been sort of a thing? I think it goes in and out with Pentax. You know, yeah. Pentax seems like one of those brands that 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 happens a lot, where you'll get very excited about something for a few years, and then it goes out of fashion. But I think you know the SV looks like a great camera. Very, very nice. I am looking at an SB. Have we talked about the Pentax <clears throat> SB two? No, I don't think so. Okay, this is a rare... I only know this because I've been taking a deep dive into these early Pentax SLRs. The SB2 was a version of the S-Series that was only sold at Japanese military bases. What? They are incredibly rare. There is one on eBay right now, and take a guess. They are so incredibly rare. But guess how much this one is going for. You ready? Yes. $50. Come on. Why? Because the shutter curtain is like disengaged or something. Right. And apparently the lens won't come off. Okay, so it's flawed in a couple of respects. But boy, if you had a handy dandy, reliable local camera repair guy <laughs> who was willing to go to work on your SB2, you could have a camera that was worth 10 times that. Oh, that's great. Don't go there too fast, though, because I might buy it. Okay, you it's should so buy it. It's so cheap. It's so. Take a look at it. I believe it's the SB. With, as in beta, SB2. Oh, that's crazy. It's on B-Bay right now. Yeah. Okay, well, these are very, two more. And I, I, okay. I, I know it's an extended list, but it's very important because the Nikon Auto 35, Nikorex Auto uh, 35. Oh, I just saw one of yep, those. Yep, absolutely. Yep, yep. And then this is one that I never talk about. And I have two of them. 
And when I take them out and take pictures with them, it's amazing. And then I put them on the shelf and I don't talk to them for about a year. I don't. What would that be? The Coney Omega Rapid. Okay. Okay. We just saw one of these yes. at BNH. Talk to me about this it machine. Is, I know nothing it about is it. It is one of these cameras that you have to do a lot with to take a picture. You'd have to pull the lens yes. out and twist it. The, the bottom, that rapid advance thing is like a, you know, an accordion. Yes. I mean, it's very exciting. But the quality of those lenses is amazing. Sure. It's just amazing. And I don't, you know, look, they're not expensive, but it is, and it is a pain sort of to use them. And they're a little heavy and they're a little awkward. But I'm telling you, every time I take one out and I use it, I love it. Okay, forgive me. This is a four by five camera. No, 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 no. no. One one twenty film. One uh, twenty. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a beauty. I'll I'll show it. But to they you. are large and unwieldy. Correct. Large and unwieldy. Yes. Yeah. That is very okay. true, but very fun. I mean, it could be. You a, have two of these. I have two what? of them. I love them, and I actually have the Polaroid. Remember the Polaroid version? Oh sure. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe that's called the uh, Goose. Am I correct about that? Maybe. No. I oh, don't no, know. no, no, no. That's the Mamiya thing. That's no, the no. Mamiya. The Polaroid 600 SE is the m- version I of think Mamiya that's Universal. It. Yeah, okay. The Polaroid version of the Kony Omega. We have a, obviously have to talk about this more. Yes. This is right up my street. Yeah, love no, it. You'll love that. And then, um, and then all I have left for you, my friend, yes. is that in um, 1964, the cover of the March issue of Modern Photography, one of the headlines was, Why New Kodakolor X? Maybe better than Kodachrome for you. Oh. And the truth about the zoom lens disaster. Oh. There you go. What was the disaster they were referring I, I, to? I think there were some issues where there weren't, uh, you know, focus issues. There, I think there was yeah. it was a build quality thing. So. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. That would be 1964, yes, my it friends. Is. That is absolutely fantastic. Thank you for that rundown i love it <laughs> i don't remember what we do next on this show what do we do next on this show we talk about our week and we had a good oh week. we okay. had a great week what a great week yes well here's the thing you know you guys know who have followed this news organization since its inception is that usually gabe and i were in the same town yes for but a long time for the last six months <laughs> For a variety of reasons, which are beyond the scope of this inquiry. Actually, only one I, reason. Only one reason. But, but, <laughs> only one but reason. keep going. Be, yes. <laughs> yes. Only one reason that's beyond the scope of this inquiry. That has become the exception rather than the rule, which is tragic. Oh, uh, yeah, it's fun, though. It's all, all good. Yes. The, the, the fact that I don't get to see you enough is tragic. Yes. The last time that we recorded this podcast, we were both in Los Angeles. What happened this past week, Gabe Sachs? We were... In New York City, the Big Apple. It was amazing. New York City. It was so much yes. fun. Just such a great And how time. did that happen? Do you want to talk a little bit? Well, yeah, do you I, want, I, I... Tell I, us about I, why you happened to be in well, New York. Well, I had to be in New York for, for a... Uh, I'll just say this. I, I went to New York for yes. a college adventure. That should be there. You go. <laughs> that would, that's the there best way to say it. Well done. Um, well done. But I will tell you that uh, it was such a great time. I mean, yes, it was hot. Yes, it was humid and all those things. But boy, what a great! I always love going to New York, and I was able to uh, meet up with Sissy Lou, who is you got amazing. her to touch a rangefinder. Oh camera. my gosh, it was incredible and. We walked all around Soho and we walked, you know, West Village and it was we just had a great time. And she's got such 
an amazing eye. Like she notices yeah. things I don't notice. Like she just reflections and color and, you know, her style. And it's, it's just amazing. And she, you know, has that, you know, that Hasselblad around her neck. And she, and she had another new camera, which is very exciting uh, that she was using. So it was a great day. It was just amazing. We shot, uh, we shot most of the afternoon and walked forever. So yeah. that was very fun. I saw that she posted a Polaroid of you. Yes, right? she did. Was she out shooting black and white SX-70? Was that what she was doing? No, she's shooting a camera that is not out yet. <gasps> and I don't think I can Whoa, say anything what? about it yet. So, okay. Uh, she has a very, they're very secretive about their cameras, but she has a very wow. special camera. And it was very, very cool to see. Wow. And uh, she shot a bunch with it, which was really exciting. And, and you know, learning that camera. Um, and then I dragged her into the Leica store, which was always very fun because Sissy's not, she's not a big fan of rangefinder cameras. So yes. it was very fun to get her in there. And of course I put my camera in her hand and, and of course she gets a great picture out of it. Like there's no yes, question. She goes, oh yeah, I hate these cameras and then gets great. Anyway, Sissy's amazing. Go to Sissy Lou on YouTube, follow her on Instagram. She's, she's amazing. Tremendous. And then. Tremendous. And. What then? What happened? Then the most amazing thing happened. The next day, there's a meeting at B and H between Jeff Greenstein, myself, and the incredible Chris Chu. Yes, that was incredible. Chris is in New York, as you know. You know him from his YouTube channel. But we all converged on B and H, which was just like the dream. Like could have stayed there it for was. hours. And we, well, we were there for quite some time yeah. talking with, was it, who was it at the used counter? Richard? Chris, 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 Chris at the used <laughs> counter. We did say hello to Michael as well. Yes. Uh, but we were with Chris at the used counter who gave, was so incredibly generous with his time. Yeah. Not just in terms of showing us items from their inventory, but just is so insanely knowledgeable yep. about cameras. He showed us that Leica Flex and we talked about that, talking about trends in what stays on the shelf versus what moves off the shelf. Yeah, and why? Kinda yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, pretty fascinating. Did one of us buy something, Gabe? Yes, I got up to that counter and I took out my wallet and put it right back inside my pants. Did did Chris <laughs> buy anything? Chris Chu? Chris, Chris looked at YouTube? He looked at a couple things. It was very fascinating, but no, Chris did not buy one thing there either. Who was the only member of the group <laughs> that ended up buying something, Gabe? Jeff Greenstein, but it was for a very good reason. It's it's well, not something you needed, but it's something you no. needed. Here's what I ended up getting, guys. So I, I went there with no intention of buying anything. I mean, the one thing that I was kind of looking for was a SMC Tacomar or right. a super multi-coated Tacomar to go with my newly acquired Spotmatic F because I am on this M42 kick, and I have learned that in order to take advantage of the Spotmatic Fs, open aperture metering, you need to have these later Tacomars. So I went there specifically to get one. Right. Did I come away with one? No, I did not. <laughs> but I did see on the shelf a camera that I have inexplicably never owned. Now, again, longtime followers of this news organization know that for the longest time I was a Canon boy, to the blood. Yes. Okay? I had, of course, my first SLR was a Canon EF. I've had an FTB, a Pelix, a T90, uh, a two FTBs, in fact. I have had every 
camera in that late 70s to early 80s Canon SLR range with one, I had an AE-1, with one notable exception, which is bananas. <laughs> I have never owned a Canon F1. Now, for some reason, I've never wanted one. I don't know why. And I got to say, if it had been a plain wrap Canon F1 sitting on that shelf, I might have just oh, no. cruised right past it. You would not have bought it. I know it. This was the Canon F1 1980 Lake Placid Olympics edition. So good. All that means, guys, is that it has a little branding on the corner. <laughs> but I cannot resist a limited edition. I thought it would be incredibly expensive. It was Yes. These F1s are not that expensive. And F1, as you know, guys, that was Canon's answer to the Nikon F2. It was a top-of-the-line system camera with all the trimmings. You could get a servo EE finder to turn it into a shutter priority automatic, waist-level finder, sport finder, all kinds of lenses, interchangeable backs, date back, motor drive. It was the system camera and Nobody talks about that. No. Do we ever see anybody at a photo walk with a Canon F1? No. Never. Maybe an AE-1, quite a lot. Maybe an FTB, quite a lot. Maybe even a TLB. Yeah. But no one is buying these Canons. Why? It's weird. I mean, it's weird. It's an amazing camera. It's really well built. And especially if it has a little branding on the side, if you know the what I'm branding. saying. The little branding. <laughs> yes. So I bought this camera. I don't have it on me to flash for you guys because it's back in New York City and I'm upstate right now. But I will definitely be featuring it on our Instagram shortly. This is something you don't know, Gabe. Mm -hmm. Okay. When this camera was originally sold, it was sold with your choice of either the 1.2 or 1.4 50 or 55 millimeter lens. Would you be surprised to learn? Then in addition to that branding on the camera, there was a custom lens cap? No. For the 1980 no. Lake Placid no Olympics? No way. Would you be surprised to learn that your podcasting partner went promptly to eBay to acquire that lens cap, even though he doesn't need lens caps? Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. I believe it's it. It's on the way. Oh. So I will have... I have my 55 1.2 that I bought at the same time as the AE-1 that I don't have anymore. I will have the Canon F1, which I will absolutely be shooting with. And then I have the lens cap. Wait, <laughs> wait. So you had... Oh, so I'm totally confused. Did you use... When we were at B&H, didn't you try a 51 too? Yes. Okay, I but you already the, had I tried one. The, uh, but I have one at home, oh, so I didn't cool. buy it. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one that, the, if you go to our Instagram, you can see Chris took a photograph, or I don't know, was that your photograph or Chris's? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, me. But yeah, uh, yeah, there's yeah. a picture of me. There's a picture of me brandishing yes. the Canon. But yes, that was with the lens that they lent me to try out. Got but it. But guys, I want to hear from the Canon F1 shooters among the teeming millions. Yes. What is the story here? They are reputed to be brutes, incredibly reliable, hard wearing gorgeous and inexpensive if you don't buy the olympic edition these are under 200 dollars. yeah great routinely. cameras great cameras unbelievably great and of course the canon lenses are fantastic and of so, course yes. uh and of course no one will be surprised at this at our adventure at bnh is i was at the bags like 10 minutes before jeff greenstein oh, got man. there and i'm looking at the bags looking at the and they had some amazing ones i held back for some reason, yes. and just decided I'm just going to be a grown-up at the moment, realize I have too many bags at home, and continue our adventure. But we did afterwards go to 
Russ and Daughters. Russ and Daughters, uh, which, wait, let me explain because it's yes, so please great. Do. My great-grandfather used to hang out there in the early 1900s. Wow. And my grandfather and my father. And I was so lucky to introduce Jeff and Chris to Russ and Daughters. And it was an I'd absolute, it was, it was just amazing and a great time. And they're always quality and fantastic it was stunning we went to the new one at hudson yards not far from b and h and gabe got gabe treated us it was very nice of him i got a schmear with horseradish cream cheese on a plain toasted bagel and it was nirvana so good loved it so and good. a dr brown's black cherry soda which is what you got to do and jeff and uh chris of course had his uh m6 his like m6 yes, and his 35 millimeter lens and he shoots so fast like and he sees yes. something he locks in on it shoots it but he is such a fast shooter and such quality so it was so much fun to hang out with him yeah he shoots his uh film uh, he has a like m6 uh classic he shoots it as if it's a digital m right it's he that shoots fast. with that level of focus and precision and really not seeming to care about how much film he's expending which right. i really respect right he just shoots away, and that is the way to do it. It explains why he's so damn good. Yeah, if you he does not hesitate. Go, I am always a hesitator. Go to his his YouTube. Remember this thing, Jeff, when he did the zone focus thing, where he yes. put all these cones out and shows yes. how he's so, you know, amazing, amazing. Uh, in other shooting news, I was out and about with my P. Peas, the Minolta Peas. Talk about the IDOC effect, by the way. These things have skyrocketed yeah. on eBay, which is why I'm glad I bought four of them. Exactly. Now, I have given away one or two of these as gifts, uh, but still, I still have a gold one in New York so good. and a blue one in Los Angeles, and I have gotten the film back. And would you like to hear some of my thoughts on the Yes, Peas? I would love to. Okay. Having run a few rolls through these cameras, I will tell you this. It is a delight to shoot with. Oh, that's okay? great. And if you are someone who is interested in training your eye to shoot in that panoramic mode, it is absolutely one of the most delightful cameras I've ever used. That's great. I mean, I do find myself slipping it. It's the size of a soap bar, and I find myself slipping it in my pocket all the time, bringing the X-Pan, obviously the X-Pan. We're going to talk about the quality in a minute. Yes. But the... It's so easy to use, so easy to shoot with. This little slider to open it, and you are ready to go. I've talked about some of the challenges with backlighting and so forth, but it's been very interesting to compare the images that I have gotten out of the peas with the images from the X-Pan. Here are a few stats for the number heads. Yes. Okay? If you are talking about the X-Pan with the 45-millimeter F4 lens, okay, that is the equivalent of a 25-millimeter on a standard 35, okay? You with me so far? Yes. Okay, so it's the equivalent of a standard 25. So if you imagine the field of view of a 25, in the case of the X-Pan, it is, if you measure horizontally, 71 degrees horizontally, 74 diagonally. That's the field of view. The Minolta P's has a 24 millimeter F4.5 lens. So almost exactly the same. Wow. And... 74 degrees horizontally, 77 diagonally. So actually ever so slightly wider, but definitely comparable. Okay? That's impressive. And I compared the images, the scans that I got from Small Dark Room from the Minolta P's and the scans that I got from them of the X-Pan. The aspect ratio of the Minolta P's is 1 to 2.73. The X-Pan, 
1 to 2.74. Oh, my goodness. Come on. So to one hundredth of a decimal place, it's basically the same, guys. Right. It's the same. Now, obviously, the resolution is not the same. The level of control is not the same. I did find the only knock I will say on this lens is that out-of-focus items in the foreground when it is focusing past them are really ugly. Like the bokeh of this in things that are in the front end of your plane of focus is just not attractive. Got it. Okay? But as a snapshot camera, the landscape... I'm going to be posting these over the next couple of days. I already put up one of them. The color rendition of this lens is nice. I've been shooting Portra 400 through it. It is a recommendation. I thoroughly and heartily recommend this if you are looking for what I call the $50 X-Pan. Did I rant enough? I mean, look, it's like, think about it because this is like, you know, the stepping stone to your X-Pan. So you're going to get exactly this, you're going to love it, and then you're going to go, I'm going to make that giant investment. Or if you're going to, if it's a stepping stone to a wide lux even. Just see if you enjoy, obviously the wide lux renders differently because of the swing lens. But just if you want to find out if you enjoy composing and shooting in this aspect ratio, which for me has been completely life-changing, okay? I never want to shoot four by three again. But if you want to find out if in this one to 2.7 aspect ratio, if that's fun, if you want to find out if that's fun for you, get yourself one of these babies. It's a great idea. I mean, I look, it's... The fact that you can shoot like that and be happy. So it's sort of, I'm, you know, here's what I wonder, and I think you should do this comparison, is to yeah. figure out what the comparison with the wide lux is. The wide lux. Yeah. Be yeah, just fun it to do. It would just be fun to yeah. see. Yeah, I think obviously the field of view is going to be much, 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 much less. Right. You know, because the, the field of view on a wide lux is something like 120 or 140 degrees, depending on who you ask. Right. And, of course, there's the barrel distortion and so forth. But the resultant image is that pretty similar aspect ratio, 1 to 2.7. It's pretty similar. Pretty great. So, anyway, it's just if you are interested in this panoramic photography craze, which I am trying to ignite. Yes. Uh also, as I said, it's known as the Freedom Vista and the Riva Panorama, but those versions only come in black. Uh, I actually don't have a black one of these. Uh-oh. Gold, blue, <laughs> red, green. Um, oh, anyway. boy. So that is my rant on the Minolta piece. I still love it, and uh, my understanding is they are skyrocketing in price, guys. So if you're looking for these, act fast. Do it. What was your experience shooting this week, Gabe? What were you out shooting? So I had a great time. I was shooting mostly sissy. Yes. Shooting other stuff. So it was very fun yes. to watch her photograph and stop. And I learned so much from her. I really I keep saying this, but it's it's true. Um, and how she looks at things. And so it was very fun. Uh, I shot the M10 and we just walked all over the city. So it was a lot of fun. And she got me the most refreshing drink ever at WT, which is in, um, which they have a few of them, but by Washington square park where we met and, yeah. uh, and it was incredible. Like it was just, it was a great day. That's okay. What was the refreshing drink? Wait a second. It is what kind, a, what was it? It, it, it has a weird name. It's like a strawberry fairy drink called, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, that's what it's called. It's like the strawberry fairy or the, yeah. But yeah. it was so good. It has real fruit in it. Or maybe it was the peach fairy. That's what it was. 
and okay. it has pieces pieces of um, fruit in it and tea. It's like a boba place, but it has you know a boba tea place. Fantastic, delicious. Anyway, it was very nice. It was lots of fun, and it was great to see her and meet her in person. Nice, yes. Uh, and my understanding is, okay, obviously I'm dividing my time between New York and Los Angeles. Yes, you I'm are. I'm going to be in L.A. early next week, and I'm sure we will see each other. Yes. Are we going to do the long-promised photo sit when you are next in, L- in New York City? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think we'll definitely do that. So that is, when is that happening? That's we're, the back half we're of September? S- we're still figuring that out, but it'll okay. be at some point... We will okay. we will announce it. We will get the word out through Chris and Sissy and everyone we know. It might even be associated with our blockbuster 60th episode. Yes, this is true. Could be. Okay, well, watch this space for details. Right. Okay, we have a new segment on this broadcast, which, uh, which we debuted last week to uproarious acclaim. Yes. This is the roll of the dice segment. It doesn't have a snappy name yet. No, it doesn't, but it's okay. Okay, so what in this segment, for those of you who may have missed this, what we do is we take 12 of the topics that our listeners have pitched us, okay? And we roll the dice. Now, I do not have a physical pair of dice, but I do have a website that is going to simulate a dice roll. We roll the dice, and we pick one of these topics that you guys have suggested in our prodigious mailbag, and we rant on it promptly. Okay, so here we go. Gabe, are you ready for the dice roll? I'm so excited. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to roll the dice. Did you hear the dice rolling? I heard them rolling. It's very exciting. Here's what comes up. Oh, I am excited. Here it is. Are you ready? Yes. A seven. We have rolled a seven. The worst camera you've ever used. Oh, Oh, I love this topic. The worst camera camera I've ever used. Like. Like mm. it burns your fingers, like, like in oh, the Exorcist, there, there, like that kind of a camera. Yeah, there, there's a few of those, but I would say um, it didn't exactly burn my fingers, but I really never liked my results, which is all user thing, which is going to be this is going to be very controversial. The Contax T2. <gasps> oh I my know. god! I know. I just I look. It's one of those cameras. It's not. It's probably not the worst camera I've ever used. But it has made me very angry. I think it's one of those cameras that you just get so frustrated and why it's not working and, uh, you know, why it isn't working for me. But people love them and people get amazing work at them. So it could have been my version, but I don't think so because Owen Mackin, the actor and friend. Yes. He bought that for me and he gets amazing work out of it. So it was definitely, uh, definitely user error. I think that any was other good. contenders besides that. I love that choice. That makes me very happy. Yes. Fight us on this. Yes. But did I, I tried any it, other. which is the brick. I tried the brick. And even when someone explained to oh, me yeah. all the buttons to press and turn and on and on and how cool it is and on. No, thank you. The C3 or something. I don't know. Whatever it yes, was. It was awful. Argus C3. It's the oh, worst. Boy. It's the worst. Yeah. That cult. I don't understand you guys. Yeah. They I love it. I don't understand you guys. What about okay. you? I'm going to say two cameras. Okay. <laughs> two come to mind. I'm looking. Oh, okay. Are you ready? No, go two. Yeah. Two came to mind. These may both be controversial because they're both cult objects. I'm going to say camera number one that burned my fingers. It was so bad. Is the Univex Mercury 2. Do you what? know this camera? No. 
Okay, the Univex Mercury 2. Okay, maybe this is a little more obscure than the other one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> the Univex Mercury 2 is a half-frame camera made by Univex Camera Corporation. It is the one you have probably seen pictures of it. It's got a hump on the top because it's got a rotary shutter in it. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's got a circular shutter and it's a half frame. It is absolutely hideous. The shutter is rattly and unreliable. I, it is possible that mine needed a tune-up of sorts, but even the aluminum body of this thing tarnishes in a way that's unattractive. Oh, no. It is as if it is a Pen F from hell! <laughs> because, of course, the Pen F, right. one of the most beautiful cameras ever made, yes. also with a rotary shutter, incredibly refined. The Univex is if you got a bunch of monkeys to make, said, gave them the parts and said, can you make a Pen F? <laughs> and it came out. <laughs> yes, it is an atrocity. And I know people who love them, and they're definitely attention-getting because of that half moon on the top that has all of right. this exposure information. I loathed it. I had it, and I returned it to oh Studio City goodness. Camera the next day. But the one camera. <laughs> oh, boy. This is going to be just as controversial as you slamming the contacts. <laughs> and I have said this back in the midst of history several times on this show. The Nikon 35Ti. Oh, boy. They, they, look, undoubtedly one of the most beautiful-looking cameras in the world. I, I do believe that part of what I am reacting to is the distance between the beauty of this camera, because it is gorgeous. Right. Titanium body, those beautiful Seiko dials on top, you know, the analog dials for, right. you know, for distance and shutter speed. It is the worst camera I've ever used. It's worse than the Univex Mercury because you pay a fortune for them. And the quality just isn't there. I, everyone who ha the, Look, everyone who has one at any of the beers and cameras or LA Photo Club, Photo Walk, you, everyone goes right up to that person and goes, yes. oh my God, this is the most beautiful camera ever. Yes. No one says, oh, it takes t terrible no, pictures. This is what I want to point out. Right. You don't. I see people talking about their contacts and saying, oh my God, I get such gorgeous images right. out of this. Sure. Okay, I see people talking about their uh, Yashica T4s and lots of other cameras that are controversial. They're Olympus Trip 35s, like lots of cult cameras that can also be controversial, even their Argus C3s. I have never seen an exceptional photo from the Nikon 35Ti. Fight me on this. <laughs> the autofocus is terrible and slow, and it is like a little Japanese gremlin inside of this thing picks the wrong thing to focus on. Every single time. Now, wait, are you, have you ever seen a famous photographer using it? Like, I'm wondering, have you ever seen a shot that you go, oh, wow. Oh, wow. No, oh, I have seen, I have seen a Nikon 35 Ti in the glass case of a working photographer in New York, which is how I first became aware of it. There was a Will and Grace reception at the home of a famous New York photographer. He had us all over when we were shooting in New York. And I saw this gleaming glass case in his foyer that had a 35 Ti in it and among some other cameras. I think there was also a Pentax 6x7 in there. It was like, what is that gorgeousness? He told me about it. He did not say that it took great pictures because it doesn't. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the 28 Ti, even more coveted. It's the black body version. I don't know, guys. Somebody come up and tell me I took this absolutely stunning photo with a 35 Ti. I've never seen. Oh, one. this is I've interesting. I've seen people posing with them, right? But and taking selfies with them. They are gorgeous cameras to look at. But I think the pictures and the lens. I will tell you this: 
We don't say this a lot about Nikkor lenses. The 35Ti has a 35mm Nikkor lens, completely undistinguished. <laughs> there is nothing interesting <laughs> about the rendering, the quality of the image that comes out of this. It is as bland as the lens on your iPhone. Well, what do, you like, think, what do you think is the deal with us? Because I tell you, I gravitate towards that thing every time because of that yes. dial. And I just go, oh, this must be the coolest camera. And it, oh, it would make me crazy if I used it and wasn't as good as that it's dial terrible. looks <laughs> there are also by the way some some like issues with this camera it's got the leaky lcd display right that's a problem also the lcd display is incredibly teeny 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 tiny like the size of like typewriter type right it's really really tiny and there are all sorts of custom functions and things that you can only access by pressing little tiny buttons and looking at the little tiny display wow it's a gigantic pain so there you go, guys. It burned my fingers. Oh, that's a good one. I'm sure I'll think okay. of more later. But yes, that's awesome. All right, one more roll of the dice. Yes. Move on to our prodigious mailbag. We are rolling the dice. Oh wait, I rolled wrong. Hold, I have to roll both at once. <laughs> there we go. Did you hear? I the heard dice it. Roll? I heard it. Up comes the number eight. Okay, and what is number eight? Oh, adapting this lens for that camera. Interesting. Okay. This was a question I believe came from a listener which talks about adapting lenses for the cameras that they weren't necessarily designed to use or using them on a digital or whatever. Do you do this? Have you done this? Gabe, let's hear it. Yes. So I do this in a number of ways. Okay. So when I was yes. using the um, the Sony A7, you know, that, that yes. world, um, I would adapt every lens in the universe to see it. I'm not kidding. I have more wow. adapters for Leica lenses, for contact lenses, for Nikon lenses. I can and lenses. Yeah. I go on and on and use them on there. And and it's I love it. I just don't use that system anymore. Um but then I use uh I I use adapters for so many things and especially on my R5, even even the Canon EF lenses I use adapters for, but I love the idea of trying different lenses out on different camera bodies. I think it's a it's yeah. interesting thing because if there's a camera body you love, now look, you can't do it with. I think you can't do Canon to Nikon. It's there's one of those things. It's that you complicated. Can't do. It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. But I think that uh, when you start experimenting with lenses like the Contax Planar lenses and put that on another camera it's really cool so i've done yeah. that before and it's really I, I love that let me ask you about the sony a7 for a second because i don't know that camera so is there a crop factor when you put a lens on there so in other words if you put a 50 millimeter lens for a 35 does it does it increase the focal length right to me to me i would have absolutely no idea it did it didn't seem like to me but our experts out there will tell me because i really just use that for portraits and it didn't seem to affect yeah. anything i was doing but yeah yeah, it's, I would imagine if you take a, a normal, a quote-unquote normal lens and stick it on the A7, it turns into a portrait lens. Mm -hmm. Like, it'll go from being a 50 to a 75 right. or something like that. Our experts will tell us. Yes, our experts will tell us. Well, I did something similar. It's funny you're talking about this. I had, uh, initially, I had a Canon, I'm sorry, sorry. I had a Panasonic Lumix G2, which uh -huh. was a micro four-thirds camera, and I bought 
every adapter in sight because Micro Four Thirds is incredibly versatile. There is virtually no lens you can't stick on a Micro Four Thirds camera. Eventually, I got rid of the Lumix and I bought my beloved Olympus Pen F Digital, wow. which is wonderful, and I put everything on it. But there is one lens that stays on that camera almost all the time, which is the Olympus Pen, okay, the 35-millimeter Olympus Pen, 38 millimeter f 3.5 macro lens wow. it stays on there almost all the time i have some you know uh micro four thirds lenses that are very nice i have an olympus i have a, a panasonic 20 millimeter which is a wonderful lens but the 38 millimeter pen lens obviously it's manual focus right right uh it's effectively aperture priority because i adjust the aperture camera picks the shutter speed the 38 turns into a 50 and it's a macro. I get beautiful results with this thing. And this is the machine that I use for digitizing 35 millimeter film with my mongoose. Oh, that's perfect. So I leave that lens, and the lens looks good on there right. because its compact size makes it look well suited to the Pen F. So I, same thing. I use every lens I've got, even Pentax Auto 110 lenses. Wow. Those little baby, yeah. like sug little sugar cookie lenses. Right. Like I use those little baby lenses on the uh, Micro Four Thirds. How fun. All the time. Yeah. I have a drawer full of these adapters, and you know, because I'm me, oh, they're yeah. all carefully labeled. Of course. Everything under the sun, and I love doing mine that. Are so, yes. Mine are somewhere. Now, <laughs> the other thing that I like to do is uh, the Alpa. Yeah. The Alpa was reputed to be, I think I'm going to get this right. One of the things that made the Alpa, Alpa did not make their own lenses. Okay. So they contracted with a variety of other glass makers to make lenses with Alpa mounts. But the other thing they did is that the distance from the bayonet mount to the film plane is apparently shorter than any other camera of the era, which meant that they could make a variety of adapters so that you could stick lots of different lenses on an Alpa. Now, these wow. adapters have become highly prized. For example, the Nikon adapter, which I got many years ago, now goes for between three and $400. For the adapter. That's amazing. That's crazy. I have one for Pentax M42. Uh, I have one for, let me think. There's one other kind of exotic one I've got. That's the, the Nikon one. And these, by the way, these oh these all have coupled aperture. Oh, wow. Okay, so they right. work exactly like a standard Alpa lens. Of course, Alpa is stop-down metering, right? Right. I use the Nikon 105 2.5 on the Alpa all the time, more than I use it on a Nikon. Oh, wow. Like that is almost like when I pick up, when I want to pick up a portrait lens for the Alpa, I use the Nikon. Right. It works like a dream. Like, I keep that adapter on that lens all the time. Now, can you take that Switar, that famous lens, and put them on? I mean, have you ever tried that? Like, what else you would you put it on? You can mount that, yes. I have mounted that on Micro Four Thirds, and it's very good. Wow. Also, I have a very exotic adapter that will let you use that Kern Macro Switar. Are you ready? On a Leica M. You're and kidding. I've never heard of that. And rangefinder focusing. It has a cam on the back that senses the pressure 
of the lens element and then pushes the equivalent like roller inside the Leica That's amazing. Body. That's amazing. So you can and I've only used it once or twice because I don't like the idea of the back of the lens like rubbing against something. Yeah. But it works. That's cool. It really does work. So yeah, but my favorites I would say the Nikon 105 on the Alpa and then the 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 Olympus 35 uh, the Olympus 38 macro on the PenF Digital. Very there cool. There you go. So cool. Great question. Guys, submit your dice roll questions Please do. for us. We love them. Did we only do two just now? Yeah, we did two. We're being very long. Uh, I guess so. All right. Well, we must now get to a burgeoning, an extraordinarily engorged, one might even say a prodigious <laughs> mailbag. Guys, you filled it up again. Love it. There, it, it runs 18 deep right now. So I, I may have to do this in the uh, speed round version. Go for it. What do you think? Go for it. Okay. Here we go, guys. Our first email comes from Tom Northenskold talking about the Pentax Spotmatic. Uh, he sent a picture of his Spotmatic. He says, I was gifted this Spotmatic SP by a friend who bought it back in the 70s, went on leave in Tokyo while serving in Vietnam. Damn, man. And the lens is gifted by one of his Twitter friends. He has the 55 1.8. He said, I agree. The Spotmatic is a beautiful camera, though I can't say it's as sexy as the Nikon F3. He's crazy. <laughs> F3s are ugly. I don't understand you guys. But he said he ended up giving away his K1000 because he liked the Spotmatic better. He also sent wow. a couple of shots from his Spotmatic, which are beautiful. Gabe, what is more beautiful, the Spotmatic or the Nikon F3? Uh, I don't know. Look, I'm always going to go for the Nikon F3, uh, but I got to tell you, the sp it's so close. I got to tell you, the Spotmatic is a great camera. Um it looks great, and again, those lenses. So I don't know. It's a that's a tough one. All right, for me. All right, it's a tough one. Let's hear from you guys out in listener land. Here we go next. Please prepare a music cue for our most voracious, voluminous, voluble correspondent. You know, I just did that all. I, I didn't even look good. at an SAT word list yeah, to nice. do three V things in a row. <laughs> Please prepare a music cue because our next email comes from. Alan Perez. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. He says, contest idea. Just finished listening to episode 30. Re-listening. Oh, my goodness. Where Gabe brought up the 30th anniversary of the disc camera. How about a contest where people submit their best photos not taken with a disc? That's hysterical. They can describe what their photo would have looked like. You can judge the entries and select a winner like the Limerick Contest. Alan, you're insane. Yes, lost your mind. What are you mind. talking about? I actually do have a book. I don't have the author's name in front of me, though I could probably dial it up right now. I have a book called Photographs Not Taken. Have you seen this book? No. Tell me about it. It is. Okay, this is what it's called. Let's see if the internet at this house will hold up. Photographs Not Taken. It is uh, conceived and edited by a writer named Will Steacy, S-T-E-A-C-Y. It's a collection of essays where this gentleman asked photographers to describe photographs that got away. Oh, oh, oh. Isn't you that just great? Gave me a ping. You just gave me a ping. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh. This is a really cool book. 
And the cover of this book is a four by five frame with nothing in it. Oh. And he spoke to a couple of dozen photographers, some quite notable photographers, and asked them about the image and its attendant memories that never made it through the lens. Oh, I've got I it. I love this. Oh. Isn't I, that cool? I know specifically that moment. There's Let's one. save. You know what? Yeah. I want to bookmark do a whole that thing topic. Yeah. Photographs not taken. Yep. So, Alan, you are crazy, but you have given us a great topic for a future <laughs> episode. Here we go. Our next email comes from another beloved correspondent, Larry Effler, talking about 1965. He was talking about 1965 vintage. We talked about this in our last episode. He says, 1965 really was a good year. He says, like Jeff, I appreciate the 1965 vintage. My beautiful wife of 38 years is from that year. Larry, you're inspiring. Congratulations. That. That's beautiful. He says, my not as beautiful, but still very beautiful, Naker Matt FT is also from 1965 he has been with the camera for 37 fewer years but we're getting along very well he said he found it in a spartanburg south carolina antique store last october she brought 28 millimeter 35 millimeter 50 miller and 105 millimeter nikor lenses to the relationship oh my goodness i brought a 200 millimeter vivitar and 59.99 look at this larry that is a beautiful camera. We have talked about the Nikermats on this uh, yep. podcast. That, that is an amazing thing. Thank you for writing so much. And best wishes to you on 38 beautiful years with a camera, 38 beautiful years with a woman, <laughs> and 37 beautiful years with a camera. That's wonderful. Exactly. Our next email comes from, I got to abridge this one. This comes from the great and powerful Malcolm Myers talking about zone focusing. He says, hello, Jeff and Gabe, to Gabe's conundrum with zone focusing. He says, his wife rang him from a car boot sale saying, asking if he wanted a Roll-Eye 35 for 25 pounds. This lady was selling two of them. Oh, my goodness. He said, never having heard of this camera, did a quick Google and shot down there, bought both of them and brought them home. It was then that I realized they had no range finders. Oh. He was crestfallen and they got put away in a box. <laughs> what? Fast forward a year, and he managed to get an Olympus trip for three pounds at another car boot sale. Now, he knew that was his own focus, but he thought it was worth a go. And he said, you know, he remembers his dad's zone focusing when he was a kid. He figured he'd give it a try. First film and drum roll, he was pleasantly surprised at how many shots were in focus. As Jeff has mentioned, if you have a 40-millimeter lens on a bright day, is there any other type of day in L.A.? The <laughs> camera will choose a mid-to-narrow aperture and depth of field will be sufficient for most things. So he went back to the Rollies and discovered his success rate was very high. Wow. I would suggest you give it a try, Gabe. All right. I guess I have to now. Zone focusing. Let's hear from the teaming millions. Have you had similar experiences out there with zone focusing? Okay. Next up, how are we doing on time? We're fine. Holy cow, we're doing fine. This comes from Sean Eliason. I hope I did that right. I think that's probably, it's not Kyrie Eliason. It's Sean Eliason. He says, hey, guys, I can't compete with the Arnie Scottish et al. accents, but if it helps, can you do a Philly accent? Gabe, can you do a Philadelphia accent? Not really. I mean, I'll know someone when they speak to me and they're from Philly, but that's one of those accents. I just have my 
My native New York I, accent. I, I can't really do it, though. There are two tells. One is water. The water, yeah. Water. Yeah, give me a glass of water. Okay. The other is hoagie. Hoagie, hoagie. Okay. That's pretty. That's also Bollamer. Yeah. You also say hoagie and Bollamer. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, anybody good at doing Philly accents, give me some more tips. He says, after listening to a few episodes of nonstop Minolta Peas Love, if peas were a person, stalking logs would apply. I was walking through my local thrift store while sipping on some water to drown my woes after a preseason Eagles yes. lost to Baltimore. To Baltimore. On the shelf was a Freedom Vista for 20 bucks. He jumped at it. He was elated when the camera came to life with a fresh battery. It auto-focused and metered, gave the green light, but the shutter would not fire. Uh. He was hoping it was due to a lack of film. He threw in a cheap roll. The camera is a brick. Oh, it will not autofocus or give him a green light with film inserted, but will as soon as I remove the film. Ah, frustrating. I am heartbroken, but such is life with 1990s electronics back to the drawing board. Yeah, you can't get these things fixed. No, that is such a drag. I wish I knew how to advise you, Sean, but uh, boy. Keep trying is what I say. Exactly. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, I want to point out something about Sean's signature here. He says, Sean P. Eliason, teacher, Harry S. Truman High School, Levittown, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Okay. I always appreciate getting an email from a teacher. Teachers are modern saints. Yes. What is that period doing after the S in Harry S. Truman? What the heck? My Gabe, did you know? Harry S. Truman's middle name is S? No. Oh, yes! No. Listeners, we educate as well as entertain. S. Harry S. Truman's middle name is S. You do not need to put an S after... You do not need to put a period after the S. Harry S. Truman. I did a tour last week of the home of FDR, Mm -hmm. which is not far from where I am in upstate New York. It's called Springwood. Yes. It happens to be the first presidential home that was turned into a museum, and it is also the location of the first presidential library. They have a reference to Harry S. Truman, and I was gratified to see no period after the S. (laughs) Now, what do you think the process was to say, you know what? We have to give Harry a middle name. I have no idea. Hmm. I have no idea. I could probably look it up, but I'm not going to. No, don't bother. But yes, <laughs> listeners, Harry S. Truman, there should never be a period after that S. Yes. There you go. On we go. Thank you for writing, Sean. Next up, Howard Sandler, who could be related to me because my grandfather's name was Sandler, except, well, there's a lot of this. We won't get into that. He wrote, <laughs> hi, Jeff and Gabe. As always, enjoy the episode. He is speaking of episode 58. Do not praise us. He said, the little diversion into 6x4.5 versus 6x6 was particularly interesting. His first serious medium format camera was a Bronica ETRSI. Yes. 6x4.5. Gabe, I believe you just got rid of one. I of got those. rid of two of them. Yes. But great cameras. Then he, yes. Then he changed to an SQA, uh-huh. which is almost the same thing, but 6x6. The reason was to downsize. The thing, this is what he's saying, Gabe. He says the thing with a 6x4.5 system is you really need a heavy prism finder and speed grip to make doing vertical compositions practical. Oh, that's interesting. And you need a heavy tripod as the camera will be cantilevered over on the tripod head for verticals far off the axis of the tripod. 
for a 6x6. The camera can be used with a light waist level finder and a lighter tripod. He really liked the 4-3 aspect ratio of 6x4.5, but some cropping for standard print sizes was usually involved. He thought he wouldn't make too many square photos with the SQA, but once I was looking through a 6x6 viewfinder, I tended to fill it with my compositions and not think about the crop. How about that? Amazing. He goes on to say, he has a Spotmatic but found it boring. He tends to use the Takamar lenses he has on a Miranda Sensomat RE with an adapter ring. How about that? He says the Sensomat is cool because of the front shutter release option and interchangeable finders. You are right, Howard, that <laughs> Mirandas are much more interesting. If by interesting you mean quirky, unreliable, and hard to come by. <laughs> but yes, I love that choice. Speaking of this lens, that camera, he also says, uh, regarding viewfinder cameras, he has a Roli 35S and a Minox 35 GT. No issue with estimating distance with those widish lenses. He also had a Voigtlander Vito B and a BL with 50 lenses, so he generally used an accessory finder with those. Mm, Very interesting, wow. right? He says, estimating range is more of a problem with medium format folders like his Zeiss Iconta 521A with the lens that is 75 millimeter. He either uses a fast film and stops down or uses the auxiliary rangefinder, but the Iconta has no shoe to put the rangefinder in. This is a great email, Howard. I like how in the weeds we are here. <laughs> I love it. Finally, he says, on the topic of viewfinders and Jeff's predilection, for small, compact 35s, have you ever thought of the Chinon Bellamy? <laughs> Do you know this camera? Not Dave? at all. I love the name, though. I actually know this camera quite well, and I'll explain in a moment. Howard says he got one for $5. It is a 1980s scale focus compact with barn doors like a Vitessa, which are operated by the wind lever, and a matching side flash unit. Other than the lack of choice in aperture, it is a cool little gem regards Howard. Chinon Bellamy. This camera is almost a clone of the Olympus XA series. Wow. Same size, same screw-on flash. When you want a flash, you screw it onto the side. I didn't love it. I didn't love it as much as my XA. The barn doors are cool, and you do open and close them by using the winder level. But I did not find it to be as durable or as easy to shoot with as my Olympus XA. It was recommended to me, by the way, by Anal Mystery. Ah, interesting. Yes, yes. But uh, yes, I have used that camera. Any other Chinon Bill Ami shooters out there, let us know. You know what, Gabe? We're not going to get all the way through the oh mailbag my goodness. in this episode. I just have a feeling, unless I really speed up, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to because we have another dozen emails in the <laughs> bag, so we're going to wind up yes. with a comprehensive email. From our dear friend, Jerry Andetto. We love hearing from our female listeners, of which we have legions. She is talking about shooting 35 millimeter in 126 cameras. Do you remember that this topic came up? Yes. She says, in response to your mention of reloading 35 millimeter into a 126 cartridge, the FPP carries a 3D printed reloadable cartridge for shooting 35 in 126 cameras. It's called the FACMATIC, F-A-K. Did you know such a thing Never existed? Never heard of this, FACMATIC. 
I had heard of it, but I forgot that I had heard of it. She says, I have one. It works great. All you need is a dark bag for loading the film and gaffer tape to block out the film count window on the camera. But the rate of success depends on the camera. The FBP site has a lot of tips on types of film and cameras they know it will work with. One thing she can add to, she can add to from firsthand experience is about the sprockets. I'm so glad she's sharing this yes. with us. 126 film has sprockets which were spaced further apart than today's 35 millimeter film. Okay, so what she says you have to do is uh, the problem that arises is that when you take a shot and advance the film, the extra sprockets reset the shutter too soon. Does that make sense? Yeah. So she says, if you hold the shutter button down on her Instamatic F, it keeps the shutter set lever from engaging. So you press the, set, the button a second time, hold it down while you advance the film three times, let go of the shutter, and continue advancing until it stops. So anyway, this is a way to trick the camera into believing that you have advanced the proper number of sprockets. Nice. How about that? That's great. But she says, if you want something less fussy, stick to the list of cameras on the FPP site. She <laughs> says, thanks for the continued inspiration to knock the dust off some of my camera collection and take them out. She included some pictures of her Hawkeye Instamatic F and the little release lever that she's talking about. Very informative from our friend, Jerry Ann Detto. Love it. She is Detto Arts on Instagram. Okay, at DedoArts, D-E-D-D-O-A-R-T-S. I, I regret to say this, but we will not be able to empty the prodigious mailbag in the course of this episode because we have reached the end of our hour. With that, we will bring to a close our prodigious <laughs> mailbag. We will cover the remainder in a subsequent episode. What a show, what a oh. show. What a show, what a show. Guys, as always, we love hearing from you. If you have a response to these or any other topics, if you want to pitch something for the dice roll or even a name for the dice roll segment, you may email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. It's incredibly hot in this room where I am right now. Do you see sweat running down my face? I also have to go. I just realized. Oh I have yeah, to go. you gotta I gotta go. I gotta, get a, I, gotta get a, I gotta get a train. How oh far? How far is the place that you're going, and how uh, how many hours does it take to get there? Uh, I'm taking the train to another location in uh, upstate New York right. that will take about an hour to get to. But the train is leaving in about an hour, so I gotta oh, you get, gotta get going. You gotta get going. All right, so let me run it down real fast for you guys. All your iDream of Cameras needs may be taken care of at iDreamofCameras.com. Please follow us on Instagram. We are iDreamofCameras. Uh, Gabe Sachs is Gabe Sachs with an H, by the way. I feel like i got to say this sometimes. S-A-C-H-S yes. on the Instagram. Look for his recent beautiful black and white portrait photography. He is Gabe Sachs on the Instagram. I am S. Jeff Greenstein on Instagram because Jeff Greenstein is a tax fraud felon who has been blown <laughs> off the front page of Google search results by my recent adventures. <sighs> Gabe, <laughs> whom do we have to thank? Oh, well, we definitely have to thank the, our savior, uh, Jeff Greenstein. I mean, Keith Greenstein what? and Keith Jeff Greenstein. Greenstein. But Keith, uh, you know, what happened in New York was a very strange thing. I ran out of stickers. Yes. And I there are so many film photographers out on the streets in New York that it's like yes. like 
giving them out like candy, like nonstop. Yep. So uh, Keith has saved us and is going to send us more so I can bring them back to New York and we can all yes. hand them out as much as possible. Yes. We'll have more soon, so feel free to accost Can't us. wait. Look in our site for our merch that uh, Keith has designed. It's beautiful. And... The amazing Fred Corey, who is uh, he's getting more and more into cameras, which is very exciting. And uh, besides the Rolleiflex and his Olympus and his Leica Q2. Wow. Yes. He is uh, getting excited for more and more. So we thank him for his amazing music contribution and our sound bites. And we are going to need more music cues yes, from him we are. soon. We need, we're definitely going to need him to compose a dice roll music yep. cue. Uh, did I say I dream of cameras at gmail.com? Uh, if I didn't, I just said it. Perfect. One other thing I want to say before we depart. Guys, stop sending me this Time Magazine article where this woman talks about how writing for friends was no fun. Okay? Writing for friends was awesome. <laughs> ah, this whole segment is getting cut. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's totally fine. Um, Gabe, it <laughs> was just such a mistake. Anyway. Gabe. Walk us out of here. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you guys that the New York trip was amazing. Please, if anyone plans a trip to New York, just know how photographic that city is. I mean, there is so much to take pictures of. There are so many photographers you'll meet on the street. You don't even have to have a meetup. There's so many people there. So uh, get out there and, and take a ton of film pictures because it's a blast. All right, you guys. See you next time. Very special episode coming up. Episode 6. Zero. See ya. <laughs>